morning, Garrick. How are you doing, buddy? Buenos dias. I'm doing good. We're starting the school year here in uh, in Spain. Dude, everyone's going back, even though uh, you know Corona's not over. Yeah, that's, uh, not... that's a, is that a touchy subject in Spain? Do people get all uh, all up in arms about? Do they have their opinions of we should or we shouldn't? There are some people. There's been some, you know, some protests, but it's pretty mild. I think most people. Uh, you know, are just ready to get their kids back to school. <laughs> you know, <laughs> please, can we get them out of there? <laughs> can we just please, can we please have some, some, some help here? Uh, so I, I think, I, so there's a little bit, and more it has to do with, it's not necessarily that they're, that they're going back, it's more of like, okay, what's the process? You know what? If right. a kid gets sick in a school, and, and, and the thing is, you know, in Spain, it's August, and everyone's on vacation. So literally the government, the schools, everything's on vacation and they didn't necessarily have the plans already. <laughs> so then it's like it's September and we're, we're running, you know, but, and, and they're, and they're doing an amazing job. I mean, I, yeah. I'm really actually really ha- happy with the schools and the way they're processing it and everything. Um, but you know, it's always, it's, you know, it, you're just kind of used to that. You're just kind of yeah. used to well, August. I'm, I, I disconnect September. September 1st is like, everyone sends you an email. And so, you, you know, <laughs> so, so that's, so I, I, in general, I, I think most people uh, seem fairly positive. Okay. And, and in fact, the other day we had a zoom call and one of the parents even said, he said, you guys are doing a fantastic job, which is very odd to see uh, wow. public praise. Right. He, yeah, he public. said, you guys are doing a great job. I, I, you know, really thank you guys uh, for all our work. So uh, that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I generally that now, of course you've always got a few people who Rightfully so, or you know, concerned about stuff, and also want to make a big deal about it. So I, I did see <laughs> that there was a uh, there was a uh, female who was uh, pulled out of the ocean in uh, yes, San Sebastian, right? <laughs> San Sebastian surfing, surfing, surfing because she had tested positive for COVID and refused to quarantine herself. <laughs> yeah, she got fined. Yeah. So, so it was awesome <laughs> to see the. Uh, the people just in complete like hazmat suits walking into the ocean to try to get her to come out. <laughs> and she like refused to come to the shore. It was fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> Viva yes. Viva yo, yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh man. Well, listen in, in Sweden, we've been, uh, we've been at school for a month. Uh, as far uh-huh. as, as far as things are going, cases aren't going up. Yeah. Um, it's a really interesting thing. My son though, granted, um, Basically, I was talking with a, one of our a buddy, Michael Metatol, down in Stockholm, and his kids have been home for a while because they were both got colds, and so they couldn't go to uh, to their school. And uh, basically, it turns out that if your kid ends up getting sick, everyone ends up missing about two weeks because yeah. in Sweden, if if you have any symptom whatsoever, they're just like stay at home, you know, don't risk it, and you can get tested. Testing is is much more available than it was early on. Uh, but it just ends up meaning that that there's just tons of kids missing and and uh, yeah. per- personnel. What do we say that personnel? Um, yeah, that seems like it should have been an easy word for me to be able to yeah. translate over from Swedish. So yeah. anyway, so my my like my son Quinn, he's been home all week because he has uh, a slightly a slight drip in his nose and a slight cough that in the morning when he wakes up for about the first three hours, he coughs every 10 minutes. And then for yeah. the rest of the day, he's fine. He's fine. So yeah. he looked at us today. And he's like, he was like, can I please go to school? Yeah. He was yeah. dying. He's yeah. He yeah. is not. Yeah. Um, and you know, doing well. Exactly. I, th- I think what you're seeing globally, at least where I'm seeing is like at some point people are like, I need to live my life. Mm-hmm. Right. And so you, you're trying to balance between, 
the dangers of, of the of the world we live in versus like normal life and that that was the thing that I think was so fascinating about this pandemic was it for a lot of people it shut down normal life you right. know I think for some people it didn't depending on where you live where you were you, know, you talk to people who live in rural Spain they're like oh I just kind of I just couldn't go into town anymore but otherwise get up milk the cows right, do this right. stuff talk to my neighbor uh, you know it's pretty normal um, so yeah you just see people need need normalcy need to be around other people need to, to um, so it's interesting. Well, so, so I, for me, cause this, this, this may really just launch us into, I think what, what we can talk about, but I, there's so much here that gets highlighted. Um, mm-hmm. there, and there's a lot of wrestling going on. Okay. So early on, everyone was like pivot. This is changing everything. The world mm-hmm. will never be the same. Well, there was the one um, guy that was, you know, was one guy saying, well, you know, the, the university will be done. will be done. It'll right. all be online. Right. Um, you know. And, you know, some universities are going online. Uh, like yeah. here, in, here, in, here in Sweden, in Stockholm, only first-year students uh, and also university here, only first-year students are mm-hmm. showing up to classes. Everyone else is online. Yeah. Um, and... And then it's only for like the first month that they're in classes and then they'll be online. So basically we're going to kind of usher them in, get them used to how things work. And then we're going to turn them loose online. Yeah. But the interesting thing about this is, is that they're unsure and they've stated, we're not really sure how this is going to go. So they're liking how much money they're saving. um, But, but they're not sure that the quality of education, they're wondering how much, of an education is someone going to get. Now, yeah. here's the thing. If you are, right, so let's take, if, if, if you're a student and and you say, oh, I graduated from Harvard, but, and they're like, well, what year did you graduate? Oh, well, I, I graduated here. I started, you know, in 2020. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so you did the whole online Harvard. Like, it's like yeah. what Harvard brings you is access to these people, it's the rubbing shoulders, it's the social community, it's all exactly, these things. Exactly. Yeah. It seems to be intangible. Now, I'm not making the case that therefore we need to put people's lives in danger or anything else because yeah, Harvard, no, um, there's some of that eliteness of Harvard that probably needs to die in institutions like that. Yeah. But for example, so, but it's hard because at the same time, here in Uppsala, where I live. Um, you can't, if you're not, if you don't have a, a, a student ID or a faculty ID, you can't get into any of the buildings. So they've completely yeah. locked them off. So it's this really interesting, everyone's pivoting and the world is changing. Yeah. I think, I think, and I want to, I want to, I want to get what your thoughts on this, where I'm struggling is my verdict is out as to whether or not this will continue for forever. Yeah. So yeah. I had a woman tell me the other day she's 76 years old and she looked at everyone and she said, let me live my life. I don't know how many more years I have. I'm not going to sit in my home waiting for this thing to pass. And I might die of loneliness. She's like, I'm going to take my chances. I'm going to see my grandkids. I'm going to, you know, and there's a lot of people who are beginning to say that. So I think I struggle with early on. I, I came out pretty, pretty, uh, well, let's just call it knee-jerk reaction, skeptical <laughs> yeah. of the whole, the world is changing. And I get that the world's changing. It's kind of like 9-11 and, and security. But at the same time, there is this humanity has a desire mm-hmm. 
So I, I see leanings going back towards, oh, maybe we have to just take the risks. Yeah. Well, no, I, I think you're, you're, you're dead on. And I think, I think what a lot of most thinking, not everyone, I think there's some people who are obviously trying to be early adapters, early leaders in this area, because it's a possibility that if you get in early, if you can, if you can, if you can guess a trend and get in on the early side of it, you make a lot of money, right? You know, so some people, but, but I think what you're seeing is that you look at the tech stocks are like, choo, 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 you know, kind of shooting right. up and down and you're like, well, zoom and, you know, and all this stuff, you know, so, so, so money's being made, but you know, that that's in the long haul, you know, I mean, they've been talking about, for instance, Uber and Netflix as these big disruptors. Those are companies we still, still haven't made a profit, you know, in a lot right. of ways, even right. in their own, when there wasn't any type of issue going on, um, you know, Netflix has definitely benefited from what's, what's happened with COVID. Everyone's staying home and watching Netflix. Uh, but, but I think, I think what you're getting at though is the other, the other issue is that humans, we are made for community and most, most healthy human, you know, we're in, in the image of God, in the triune image, we're people who are meant to be around other people, meant to interact with people, meant to touch people, uh, hug people. Just, that's just normal hu humanity. And so we're not going to get away from that. that that's not, we're not going to pivot away from, uh, although I think that, you know, there's obviously people arguing for that or saying maybe that's the future is all technology. And, and I just don't know. I, 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 I don't I think just, so. Even in Estonia, they touch people. Yeah, eventually. <laughs> um, I mean, if they're forced to. But I mean, I, I, yeah, I just, see, that's where I go. But, but so, I, okay, so I'm, I'm really processing through because I don't, I don't want to be a, you know, I, I don't want to be closed-minded and I don't want to see, yeah. I'm not really interested in being, uh, let's say, a first mover in order to, uh, for strategy's sake or whatever else. Yeah. I, think, I think sometimes in life, and this is where I'm, this is a little bit of a change for me because I am a um, man. I'm a, I'm a, I, I think future oriented. Yeah. I'm an entrepreneur. I I'm, I'm a strategic thinker, but I'm starting to see, you know, sometimes you just got to let the dust settle a little bit yeah. and try to figure out, okay, how can we make a path forward here? Um, but I, it's interesting because I'm, I'm seeing like you. Okay. So for example, uh, online, right? So when this first happened, everyone was like, oh my gosh, you got to invest heavy in online because, you know, our church services are blowing up and we're seeing all this and that and the other thing. And now no one's watching those services online anymore, yeah. or they're seeing a huge dip in some cases. I'm sure that there are cases where they're, they're continuing to go up or maintaining. Yeah. Uh, so it, it worries me a little bit that maybe sometimes we're, we're ready to throw all of our eggs into one basket. Um, Mm -hmm. And maybe that's not the best case because people are still going to want to um, like one, one example that I would, I, I would have is like, okay, mm -hmm. so the plague happened throughout mm -hmm. European history and it was a terrible and you know, all this stuff. Um, people were, babies were still made. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, so here you have this terrible situation in which people are dying, but yet society is still going on. Now I'm not saying that therefore, we need to be nonchalant about these things, but human behavior seems to say, I want contact with other people. Yeah. Well, and, and as, since you and I are in the, we, we work with university students. Uh, I mean, if you, if you look at the university system and why it's set up, right. You know, because you know, this universities haven't existed forever and there, you know, and, and there may be someday when there isn't universities, but if you look how universities are set up, there's, 
the, the value that what you pay for, specifically in the United States, and I, I don't believe the United Kingdom, is the whole experience, right? So mm-hmm. you go to you go you choose Texas A and M, and part of that experience is going to football games. Part of that experience could be joining a fraternity. Part of that experience, it, it, and so in that education, educa- we understand educational education is more than a transactional model, right? Universities were set up to build to create to educate the whole person, right? In a community aspect, and so and, and so I don't know how you like why you'd want to get away from that. I, and I realize it's got expensive and there's some things, but spurring down the whole system. So we just all sit online. I don't think is the answer to a lot of that. And, and, and I, I do think too, that a lot of the decisions that are being made are based on the assumption that this will end, that a vaccine's coming, that a treatment's coming, that herd mentality is coming. And eventually, because most universities, if, if, the, if they were to, I'm not, no one's going to pay 30 grand, 40 grand, 50 grand a year for their kids to stay at home in, and, and watch lectures online, you know, that's, you know, so, so, so that's why I think, I think the, 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 the pivot thing is important. There's certain things, but that means also you got to be pivoted to go back because at some point, I think every, pretty much any health expert right now is saying, oh, this may last a while, but it will end, you know, we will right. have to one, go back. One way, one way or the other. I actually read one way or another. Yeah. I say, but so here's what in the moment, make the change in the moment. But for me, I'm like, okay, well, when do we go? When, when, and think about the Catholic church or uh, very liturgical churches where the, the um, communion is very important. I mean, mm-hmm. I, and I would believe communion should, you know, we've done it at home through our church. It's like, okay, that's great. That's cool. God's big. Uh, but the power of, of one of the powerful elements of communion is that you're in a room with a body of believers who all believe the same thing. And there's a, there's a physical, you know, we, I don't want to, there's no way we can lose that, that if we lose that, uh, and I'm, I'm trying to be as little um, mystical as, as, as less mystical as I can possibly be. Although I'm quite, I would probably lean more towards a kind of a Catholic thing going here. Not, not too Catholic, but, uh, but that there's something going on there for us yeah. as Christians in a group. If that group is just five people, but, but right. in a group and, and taking the Lord's Supper, taking his um, blood and body and saying, we are, we are unified with him and with each other. Right. Okay, so, so a, couple, a couple of things to all of that. One, um, I, I totally agree with the idea of community, communion. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the aspect of remembering and proclaiming together um, is harkens to first Peter and the idea that we are a priestly nation. So that of, and and when he says nation, he's not referring to Israel. He's referring to the church and God's Mm -hmm. formation of the church in the world and that it stands to be a priest to the world and in the world. And so we have to do that together. I think that that's a body, a body aspect and online it's, it's just not the same. Um, I'm, I'm fairly convinced and I have no sign. I am not a scientist and I didn't sleep at a holiday Inn last night, <laughs> but, but I, I do think that there's some, there's some kind of pheromone or something that happens. There's like something that in the room when yeah. you are with people, there's, there's chemical reaction. We've, we've kind of said that before. I don't know what it is, but it's an intangible thing. Yeah. Um, and I think that definitely among the community of believers that when we are together, it is, it is special and it is uh, important. And it is that remembering 
that Christ has risen, Christ has died, and Christ will come again. Yeah. Um, and, and how important that is, but that we're doing that together. And I think even more so in, in an age where everyone is, is beginning to feel isolated, um, that that is a message to the world of community and the beauty of the church, that it is this weird place where, uh, you know, we were having an elders meeting at church last night and we were talking about, you know, the fact that the church is one of the few places left in society where all generations congregate. Mm. Yeah. So it's not just cultures. Like we, we talk a lot about, okay, you know, mm-hmm. how many, how diverse is your church? But it's re- the reality, especially with our churches, we have, you know, children from zero. And we, I think our oldest member is in their late nineties and we have everything between and, and that's 500 people. Mm-hmm. So here's, here's one of my thoughts that I'm beginning to really mull over early on in this epidemic. Um, a lot of people were saying, okay, you've got to be online. And I, I, I don't have a problem with a yeah. church or a ministry going, hey, what's 100%. our online tools? Yeah. We, we, that's 100%. the world we live in. It's like yeah. saying, you know, that's where like all these Christian publications grew up, um, you know, because of the printing press, you know, you had Christian newspapers and everything else. Yeah. So it, and you did that because people read newspapers. This was how they got information and process things. So you, you produced those in the same way you need to be online because that's, Amen. we're trying to make strides towards that. And I, I would actually argue you know, Christian organizations and churches need coders and content makers. Exactly. Because you, you yeah, just right. have to we be need doing the best. Yeah. We need the best. We're competing with Netflix. We need, we need right. some great people. Well, I mean, we're taking, we're competing with Tiger King. So, so I, but, I, but I want this. So that's one thing we, we have to build that up. Yeah. But it seems, and maybe this was just the people I was listening to, so it might be confirmation bias. So I'm willing to admit that. I'm sure that there's probably hard evidence out there to maybe contradict me. So I'm, I'm willing to be corrected if I'm, if I'm wrong on this. But it, the, the tendency seemed to be thinking we can reach more. So people were thinking more. And so, with, you know, it was kind of like, hey, you can increase your audience. You don't know how many people are out there, you know. Yeah. And there was just this sense of like, wow, this is an opportunity to be online and to do more. And what I'm actually beginning to wonder as online attendance of churches is is dropping, as lots of churches are noticing, wait a second, we're losing people. So we don't know where they're going. We don't know if they're going to another church. We don't know if they've just given up on God. We doubt they're losing their faith, but they're just not around and we don't have connection with them. That seems to me to be a huge problem among bigger organizations and churches, because the bigger something is you have, uh, unless you're really well organized on a person to person level, you're going to begin to to lose people. But I have a friend who's a pastor of a church of about 500 people in Texas, and he hasn't lost anyone. Yeah. Because early on he said, okay, he went to staff and leaders throughout the church. And he said, you're in charge of these 10 people call them weekly, call them daily, ask them how they're doing. And what they're saying is, is their church is actually coming together. And so here's my question. Is it possible that the, everything is going to be different that we was predicted is not that it's going to become bigger, but that everything will become smaller. Mm, Yeah. That churches will realize, wait a second, maybe we don't need to be about brand. Maybe we don't need to be about, 
footprint and impact, maybe we need to be about being a priest and shepherding the 500 people that God has allotted to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, I mean, that's a fascinating uh, theory. And, and I think, well, and, and I, so I think there's a lot behind that too, that goes back to, you know, things you and I kind of talk, chat about. I, I will say once again, being online, super important. That's where a lot of people are. And, that, and that's where we need to have evangelism strategies that, that reach those people. We need, we, 100%. But you, what you've gotten at is a bigger question in and of itself is particularly in American evangelicalism. Have we become all about branding? Have we become, and, and have we, have we become a society in America and maybe the West that's all about individualism? You know, um, good friends of mine who, who do a lot of work thinking about, and we need to have them on this part podcast, but do a lot of work producing training, thinking about reaching secular people. They, they define secularism as personal project. It's that my life is about myself and, and my, the project of myself. Mm-hmm. And, and you see very much that's that's what and I realize we're going in a wholly different direction here now. That's, that's a rabbit. This is rabbit trails. <laughs> um, you know that that's what um, the Western society, Western society, North Atlantic, Europe, you know, Europe in general. It seems like Australia, New Zealand, North America, and and that's starting to penetrate into other parts of the world. But it is about me and what I can do. And I don't know how much the church has really challenged that. And I wonder if if, if COVID is helping churches re and maybe even our own selves re rethink how we're how we're processing ministry, how we're thinking about ministry, internalizing, and then actually going out there and doing it. Have we lost, you know, some of that element of the the personal the personalness of it of loving people one on one, and and it's just all about program. And once again, I'm not saying programs or big events or whatever. They're, those are good things, but I think you know, what we, what we all understand is that the beauty of using the internet is it moves people towards something, right? Right. You know, we, we well, under, so, I think most people know we don't want to have Joe from Wisconsin sitting in his house and never getting out and never talking to another Christian, but he's consuming a ton of Christian material. We know we want Joe to consume that material, but then move into community, become a member of the church, become someone who's serving. So, you know, that's, that's obviously where, you know, a, a, Gosh, disciples. I have about I have about ten thoughts that are just That's just great. blowing through my head right now. So w- w- one of them, the first is um, Mark Sayers, who's a pastor and a and a thinker in in uh, Australia. Uh, really smart guy. Did a podcast called This Cultural Moment. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. I, yeah. I love I love Mark Sayers. I'm I'm revisiting some of his stuff, thinking, huh, um, because I think he puts a lot of. I think at the end of the day his view of God seems to be tied to uh, someone's going to get really upset with me for saying this. Cause Mark Sayers is a bit of a bit of a, uh, uh, <laughs> he's a, he's a bit of a big guy, but um, I think, I think sometimes his, his view of God is, a, is tied up with the results of revival. Huh. So he's, he really wants to see revival. And I think that that's yeah, wonderful. That's, yeah. um, but sometimes I wonder. And so he made a comment actually in the beginning of this, he said, you know what? I wonder if what we've done is we, if we've become chaplains to the secular mission. Mm-hmm. And so what, what we've done is we've just allowed people to keep doing their secular, their secular life, but we've kind of entered in as chaplains to that. Yeah. 
Yeah. And so he kind of, it, he, he's gone through and I, I need to go back and see where he's at today because that was early on in the whole pandemic crisis. And I'd like to see kind of some of his thinking. I mean, the guy is brilliant. So yeah. I, and, and I don't want to, I don't want to disparage him by, by the comment of, of the revival. I just, sometimes I think we can put all our hopes in revival and we miss out on God saying, just be faithful. Yeah. And, yeah. and so that's one thing. The second thing, and um, which I've totally lost now, so forget it. We'll come back to it. It'll come back to me later. Third thing? No, I've got, that, one's, that one's gone too. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I just, I, there, there's a sense here of, I, part of me, part of what I'm, what I'm struggling is, is what has God called us to do yeah. as followers of Jesus Christ that that are true through all times and all histories. Yeah. So in all situations through life, no matter where you find yourself, what has he called us to do? And that then begins to inform and shape the way that I live my life. And even maybe even some of the quote unquote strategies that I'm going to take. Um, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I just think that that has a lot to inform for us. And I, to be honest, I think I may have lost some of that in my life of what, what does God call us to do? Like I think of your pastor friend in Spain who almost died of. Yeah. Yeah. Marcos um, Zapata, yeah. Yeah. Almost died of COVID and his comments of people need comfort. People yeah. need in this time they're losing people They're His perspective on this was so radically different than so many people's. And it seems to me his perspective was less a strategy mm -hmm. and more a priestly function. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, th I think there's something there because I think, it, you know, if you look at a modern American evangelicalism, it's, it's highly influenced by revivalism. It's highly influenced by business thinking and methods. Yeah. Uh, modernism. And we, we, I think we talked a little bit of this and we you go back into Paz's, um church planning in the secular West, you know, so I'm not, I'm not going to say that's all bad, right? That's not, that's just, but that's the water you swim in, but there's probably a cost to that. There was, there's a benefit to that. There's been, the benefit was evangelical American and now global growth was kind of tailed to those things. Uh, not entirely, but it was, it was part of the, you know, getting the message out. You know, I'm not saying that people accepted those things because of that they accepted Jesus because of who Jesus was, but the, the ability to mobilize, to get, you know, to do all these big things very, quickly, uh, you know, has a lot to do with those, those elements or that passion for that, you know, which often then led into numbers and measurements, uh, you know, which I think what, what you and I rail against is that the measurements force the people on the ground to have to move into strategies. Mm -hmm. And I would say, well, strategies are okay. It's, it's, I'm not against strategies, but what you lose is you lose this core element of like, what is it to be a missionary? what do I do? You know, some people are going to, what's to make strategies and do stuff and put in, you know, pl put projects and plans into play. I'm like, I don't know about that. Especially the more I'm in Europe, I realize how simple ministry is. It's really, you know, ministry doesn't have to be these big things. And, and I think it's something you learn when you do the, when you work at La Fuente de, de Peregrino, you know, uh, the Pilgrim's Fountain. It's, it's for me that going there every year, always is a reminder, okay, ministry 
serving people, loving people, getting the gospel in front of people, it doesn't have to be this, this big thing. It's as simple as inviting someone into your house and having a meal with them and asking them the simple questions of, how are you doing? What's going on in your life? How could I pray for you? You know, those are things that, you know, in theory seem so simple, basic, but change, change people's lives, change the world, uh, you know, bit by bit. And so, but I think we can, we can lose that. I think there's, uh, there's some people who don't. I think there's some people who are really good at keeping those two things together. Right. You know, strategy and then but the core of who they are as a, as a, as a person, as a priest uh, to this world, you know. But we have, we have a real problem. I think it's tricky. We have a real tendency to make um, strategy our horse and our chariot. And that we're, that we're going to trust in those things rather than, rather than God. And I am, I am first and foremost guilty of that. Um, I, again, I'll reference the meeting I was in last night. How many times, uh, this is one of the things that my brothers and sisters in Christ in Sweden have continued to show me, um, is the importance of prayer. Yeah. Um, that they, man, I love how much our church talks about, we need to be praying. We need to be bringing this before the Lord. And, um, in both a, a way of orienting our heart towards him, but also pouring our hearts out towards him and requesting things and praying for the country, um, praying for people within the church. There's just a, a sense there of we, we've got to be a people of prayer. And, um, that's not something that comes natural to me. I am first yeah. and foremost a doer. Uh, I'm going to, you know, I get it in me to, I, I tell, I've been telling people lately, I wake up with anxious energy every day. So I wake up, <laughs> I wake yeah. up and I go, okay, what's got to be conquered, you know? Yeah. And, and for, for better or worse, um, I'm, I'm learning to, uh, that's part of who I am. And there's a lot of good that comes with that. But yeah. there is a reality that I wake up every day now and I actually take my first hour or so in, well, I try to, it depends on how quickly I can get up. <laughs> uh, but I, I'm just quiet and I'm still, yeah. and it's turning into an act of faith because my tendency is just to get going. And once I get going, I, it's, it's hard for me to, to be present and to kind of turn that off. Mm-hmm. And, um, but strategy is so much a part of that. I've been noticing how when I'm sitting in the morning, how many strategic things kind of come through my head. Well, what yeah. if we did this and how, okay. How, yeah. And as an act of faith, when those come up, I have to go, okay, Lord, if you, if it's of you and it's good, you'll bring it back. So as an act of faith, I'm going to sit before you and I'm going to be quiet and still and know that you're God. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not a strategy to, no. to do that. That's just an orienta- an orientation of my, of my heart and my life. Mm-hmm. Um, Amen. Yeah. And it's, and it's bending my will for success and my desire for success to the God who is able to move upon men, you know? Yeah. And so, so there, there's something, there's something there. I'm not saying we don't need strategy. Of course we need strategy. Of course yeah. we need these things, but first and foremost, are we trusting in God who is able to deliver or are we trusting in the horses and the chariots? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm reading this book by Henry now, and it's called the Genesee diary report from a Trappist monastery uh, mm. recommended by a friend of ours, Danny uh, and fan- fantastic book. Uh, it, it's, it's easy. It's you know, short because it's, it's literally diary notes. Mm. Uh, when Henry now went and spent, I think six months 
uh, or maybe three months, three or six months in a in a monastery. It kind of it was when he was quite young. It was not. It was before he kind of had uh, had some of these profound life experiences in which he began to really, you know, put some of those you know makes write some very profound books. Uh, but he he talks about how hard it was because he was a, he he sounded like he was a doer. He was a you know PhD, boom boom boom, mm-hmm. doing stuff, mm-hmm. teaching. He was you know uh, you know top level guy. Um, but when he gets to the monastery hoping to kind of have this, this time with God, he realizes how hard it is and how it takes time. It, it, it takes this, these, these moments of silence. And he, there's this word I learned, I think it's called nepsis, which is, hmm. is which, which apparently monks and nuns use it's, but it is the ability to have kind of, it's the word it means kind of like sound mind or still mind or quiet mind, but it's understanding that you've, you've kind of gotten all the worry, anxiety, stress, all the stuff that just your mind is constantly thinking about, right? Which sometimes, and sometimes those are the, the stories we tell ourselves that are lies or incorrect, but yeah, you know, right. or, the, or, or the fears, the fears that we have, that yep. we go, this is going to, if I do this, this will happen. And then we're, you know, it's going to be a disaster. And, and, and talking about how getting to that is, is that's when you can really begin to pray and listen to God and have, uh, and, and, and just how hard that is, yeah. you know, and God obviously is, is working our lives, even when we're not doing that. That's the amazing thing about it about God, but the, the effort we needed to put into making that relationship deeper, more profound, I found fascinating. Uh, but I want, I wonder how, how, how much of our lives, especially in this crazy day and age of it, how, how much of our lives as, as particularly evangelical Christians do we have for that? Uh, and do we, do we make that a priority? And I, I know we, we, we say those things, we want those things. And I know some people who, do that in amazing ways, but, and obviously we're in a different situation with kids and wives and, you know, the busyness of life, but how, right. how, how do we do that? We can't run off to a, a monastery for, for more than a weekend. Um, no, well, unfortunately, but, but here's, so here's a, here's a thought on that though. Cause I'm, as you're saying that I was starting to think, have we pivoted to the right things? Mm-hmm. So I think that might be, yeah. this, is a sim, this is a seminal moment in history where we must pivot. I, I yeah. actually, so, yeah. but are we pivoting to the right things? Are we pivoting we, to prayer? Yeah, like we've been, we've been, Christianity um, has largely been involved with, or at least, at least the traditions I think both of us come from have largely been involved, um, I, I would say, with, with building, okay? So not, not physical buildings, but just doing and building yeah. and, you know, seeing progress and, growth, and everything yeah. else. And, and um, yeah, growth uh, and busyness, to be honest. Um, I, I think we swim in a culture of busyness and therefore we are wet with its waters. Um. And so in part of this, I wonder if the pivot that we should be making, I don't know if we're making it, is to a life that says, you know what? When things go back to normal, we're going to be a different people. Yeah. We're not going to be a people that goes to busyness. Step away from the busyness of, yeah. and the chaos that this world is. And, and let us invite you into a way of peace. That's something completely different. I don't know if we would see more people come to Christ or, 
or go, wow, I want to go do that. Cause I actually think what you're doing, it's kind of like the busyness that, that the world is in is a sugar diet. It's a sugar and junk food diet. It's mm-hmm. this, it tastes great. It, it's, you know, your, you, your body craves it. You can't, yeah. when you sit down and you have a moment of silence, you go, I don't know what to do with myself. I have to pick up my phone. I have to, and that's the same thing that happens when you have a person whose diet consists of sugar and empty, yeah. you know, chips yeah. and everything else is when they sit down to a good meal, they're like, I gotta, I gotta feed it with, I gotta keep stuff in these things in my mouth. And it's really the person who says, no, I'm not going to do that anymore. And you kind of look at them like, what do you mean you don't drink Coke or, you know, whatever else. But then you start to see this balancedness, but, but there's actually going to be very few people in this world who follow that path of eating, so to speak. And I actually wonder if in some sense, if we were to go to the way of, of peace and following Jesus in a completely different way, I'm not saying we all become Trappist monks. I'm not saying, but we, we say, you know what? We've spent a long time being consumers. We've spent a long time uh, being slave to, you know, our mobile phones and, you know, the, the frenzy of renown, whatever it might be. But if we said, we're going to pivot to a different way of life, the way of life that's grounded in Jesus, that's a non-anxious presence and all these things. I think we'd be really different from the world. I don't yeah. know if the world would think that's attractive, but I think we'd be really different. We'd be really different. Yeah. 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 Be more pilgrim like. Yeah. Right. Cause life becomes simplified when you're a pilgrim. It's yeah. so here's an interesting, I've been thinking about this. I, maybe, maybe we close with, with this pondering. Sounds good. Jesus sends, <clears throat> Jesus sends his disciples out. Uh, two by two into the into the countryside of in the lands and towns of of the surrounding countryside in, in Judea, and he says, "Don't take with you money. Yeah. Take your cloak and go." He's essentially telling them, "Go and be pilgrims for a while." Yeah. Am I am I often thinking that he was in some way? Now they're not they're not on a journey. They were on a proclamation proclamation journey. So that's where it falls apart a little bit, but there's an aspect to the pilgrimage there that, that he was teaching them. Mm-hmm. You, you live by God's provision, nothing oh. else. Yeah. And you don't know what's going to happen the next yeah. day. You get up and you, you, you just trust God will get you to the next place, the next situation, which t- technically really should be a big part of ministry. We don't know what, what God's going to do through us. Uh, and, 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 and around us, we get up. We should get up with the humility of going. Okay, today I'm going to try. I'm going to. I'm going to. I'm going to serve God. Let's see what happens. And instead, instead, I think we get up and go. Here's the plan. Here's the strategic mm-hmm. plan. Right. I, I've got it. I've got this under control. I, now, I, I don't. I, I want to be careful because I'm. I'm. I'm talking about myself. <laughs> you know, I'm not, I'm, I, I don't want to necessarily project that onto everyone because uh, I think there's people who get up and do that well many people and many great people working as pastors as uh, you know in, in in our own organization who are fantastic at it but but i think it's a danger it's a, it's a pitfall we could fall into yeah yeah i'm gonna build it myself or i'm gonna we're gonna get this going i yeah i mean look my motto or the way that i've lived my life is let me push that up the hill yeah. and i don't know i'm starting to i'm starting to see oh maybe actually Maybe that's not what God's calling me to. 
He's calling yeah. me to something different, but that's, that's me. That's, I'm not saying things need to be pushed up hills sometimes. And God calls yeah, yeah. people to do that. So that's yeah. not a, um, Oh goodness. These awesome. are, th- these are, these are what we will call sanctified ramblings or, yeah. or, or something. I mean, this is really at the end of the day, I got no clue what I'm talking about. Things yeah. are coming out of my mouth, but I'm trying, I'm trying to, trying to follow Jesus as best I can. If, if, if you're out there listening and you're, you're going, what's wrong with these guys? I, we're just trying to throw some ideas that hopefully would, would help, you know, people think through some things differently, look at, look at things differently and, and come to your own conclusions. We're not, uh, but really just from our hearts. So, uh, you know, take, take, take what you need, leave, <laughs> leave, leave the rest. Yeah. My, the, the, I, th- I think, I think this could be the, the approach of this podcast could be, let's throw some noodles against the wall and see what sticks. See what sticks. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, <laughs> all right, dude. Well, until we, uh, I think that's uh, good for now until we meet again. I, uh, hope and pray that uh, things are well there. Think it's a Enjoy the sun and warm weather. Likewise, what, whatever whatever helps you in, in Sweden. Yeah. <laughs> as, as winter approaches. <laughs> uh, buen Camino, my friend. Buen Camino.